Here we go. God has been good to you. He's been good to all of us. Amen. And we are looking again at the second Samuel the 14th chapter. Uh, and now that ends. And um, maybe we should turn a little bit of our 15 begin. Uh, it begins, and that will be mainly for next week. Amen. God has been good to us. This is part two. All right. Everybody ready? Amen. Hallelujah. So, Joab, uh, Absalom's uh, uncle, uh, son of David's sister, had worked out the scheme, if you recall, to get David to send for Absalom, his son. Uh, but as we look at the end then of chapter 14 of Second Samuel, you see that David indeed did send for uh, Absalom, but... Uh, not to come into the palace, not to come where David was. Now, I want to be, I want to right off the bat state that this is a strategy of David, and it is something that we see in David a proclivity and inclination. So I have a sense of something that is not right. First of all, he was a bit hesitant, some may say, to bring him back. And once he brought him back, kind of kept him at somewhat of a safe distance. And we see why. David must have strongly suspected that Absalom had some conniving ways, as we will call it. Now, I mean, to be honest, some of that would be obvious. He waited uh, a period of time, a couple of years or whatever it was, to uh, take revenge uh, on for his half-sister Tamar, uh, by touring this party for all the a, uh, his half brothers and, uh, and and sisters and undoubtedly some of them were full blooded to him, but um, and at that point he had um, his half brother killed because he wanted take this revenge of her raping. So we went through all of that. 
But um, the thing is that, yeah, David, uh, David is saying, you know, if someone has that kind of nerve, if someone has that kind of capacity to scheme uh, like that, if someone has that audacity to kind of to act so, it's not reckless, but act so presumptuously and authoritatively, uh, knowing that the king would not, David, would not be pleased, would be upset about it. If someone is willing to go that far, knowing that, yes, I may get banished for a while, you know, that person is someone that you ought to look at closely. Uh, you know, um, and, 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 and maybe the most important thing about this is that uh, uh, David knew that Absalom knew what he was doing. Uh, so he's, he's, a, he's a conniving person, as we would say. Uh, and, um, and David was nobody's fool about it. So here's a, something I want to get to right away. Okay, so we arranged for Amnon to be killed as our brother. And David is more, is definitely saying, well, what else is he capable of doing? I miss him. He's my son. He's, Abnon is no longer here. And he is probably in a good place to be the next king. Was the raping of his half-sister Tamar part of something that he had on his mind that would his half-brother, none out the way, would put him in a closer position to be king. Could he have used the unfortunate incident of Tamar for some strategy, some long plan, you know, plan ahead strategy? So all that is uh, kind of suggested here. Uh, you could see it the way it hits you and what strikes you the most. But you're dealing with someone that you wanted to keep to some degree in your sight, but at arm's length. Bring him back. Yeah, David is saying, I want to keep him a little closer to see what he's going to try, if he tries anything, but not with the immediate people around me. God has been good to us. Many things that the devil 
was set up as traps and all that stuff for us. God gives us good indications. He gives us good wisdom. He gives us prudence. He gives us uncommon and common sense. And that's why, or that's one of the reasons that I'm saying, God has been good to us. If we should learn how to the Holy Spirit to pick up on those things, it doesn't mean that God is not warning us, God is not telling us, God is not doesn't have our back. He's, God is not going to fight our battle. Yes, he is. But he wants us to be alert. He wants us to be wise. And so, this is, again, I'm repeating myself. This is why I say God is good to us. He has been good to us. Let us look around us. Let us ask ourselves a question without malice, without any bitterness in our hearts. And, and let us see if there are things in our lives that we just need to keep at somewhat of a safe distance, but at the same time keep an eye on it. And I'm not necessarily talking about people, you know. That's the very least of my argument. In this case, we're talking about a person, Absalom. I mean, the old circumstances of things, situations, uh, innocent, uh, seemingly innocent things that come up in our lives. Uh, you know, what might there be? So, you know, the scripture tells us that we should be wise tells us in the New Testament we should be circumspect, that is to circum, you know, spec, have eyes all around us. So that's what God wants us to do. We just don't sit down and everything just falls in our lap, so to speak. There are things that we must do and should do and keep our eyes on Absalom's situations and circumstances that might come up in our lives. Now, here are some interesting things. So now after a couple of years or so, uh, you know, uh, Absalom, which is definitely a part of what the uh, what uh, David had, had in mind, Absalom get very, very um, anxious now. He wants to see his father. He wants to be reconciled to David. In verse 25 uh, of, um, of uh, 2 Samuel 14, now Absalom was praise as the most handsome man in all of Israel. See, he had things going for him, right? And he knew this. And so all of this play into his ambition and uh, the way he behaved. 
you know, in verse 28, he's complaining, I've lived in Jerusalem for two years. I never get to see the king. Uh, he called for Joab, his uncle, to speak to David more than once. So now he gets mean. He gets mean. That's something that we need to be aware of. And now we can see part of David's strategy. You never know what he's going to do. Does he do rash things? Seem to have a lot of patience, but then when it gets to a point, does he do rash things? In verse 30, he set fires to Joab, his uncle Balafield, which is interesting because the Bible point points out that the field is next to his field. So I, I, I guess it's suggesting that he can be kind of restless, reckless in what he, what he did. I set the field of fire. Have his men do that. And then in verse 31, Job confronted him. I want to know why he did it. And he said, well, because you didn't get the king. You didn't, you didn't get, you didn't ask the king. Uh, you brought me back to Jerusalem, but I'm here just like if I've never came back. So, you know, Joab went to the King David and told him all about that. So now, David summoned after a while Absalom, who came and bowed down low, kissed the king, and you would say, all made up. Okay. But as you'll see in chapter 15, and we'll get into that in depth next week, after he got chariots and horses and hired 50 bodyguards, uh, advanced people, go check out wherever he would go, make sure that he, no danger would come to him, that he start a scheme of plotting against David. Now, I want to make some observations here before we close. I've been somewhat talking about this over and over. It's not a reflection on what kind of parent necessarily David was. I think about, for instance, prophets and others who God has used and who have done, who did magnificent work for God and, and the New Testament for Christ and for God, Paul and others. And you would think that literally money and all kinds of things, riches would just fall out the sky. After all, they're God's people. But Paul was in prison, and, you know, things happened to the disciples, and a lot of God's 
follow, Jesus's followers. So there's not an indication of what bad or good necessarily apparent uh, um, David was, or any of us would be for that matter. Once we have done our very best and we are obedient to God and what he asks us to do, and we just have to accept that if these things come up in our lives, and they often do, that are somewhat very undesirable, bad and distasteful, and sometimes even disgraceful, and stuff like that. That if we didn't have God in our lives, if David didn't have God on his side, what would he do when an Absalom, when his own son, would seek to destroy him? That's why I keep saying God has been good to us. These circumstances come up in our life. David, yeah, he fought a lot of battles, did a lot of things for God, could have stayed home with his babies, could have avoided Samuel, and um, as much as he can be disobedient to, to some extent, like um, Saul was, could have looked up for his own self, could have given God all kind of excuses and said, "Well, I, you know, I, I, I not, I, I got I got things to do, God." But God allowed him all kinds to to receive all kind of blessings, to take care of his family, and David loved his family, he loved his children, he loved, he loved. He was a very loving man. But people are people and there are individuals. And sometimes we take on as believers all kinds of guilt. And yet things are going to happen anyhow. So I think it's better to have them, if they do come, pray that no one ever have difficulties in their relationships with their family and the jobs and friends and so forth. Pray that that would never happen. But if it should come, it's much better if you have God on your side because he's always good to you. Amen. I'm going to stop there for the night. I'm going to continue next week, and as I told you before, there's some things I wanted us to go through. If we take a deep look at David and his relationship to his family and so forth, but understanding that God has a purpose in all that we go through, and we thank God.